Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman Podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern mature man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Through interviews with men from all walks of life, some I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. Okay, so hey there, this is Jeff. Yes, we're going to start with me. Um, I felt it would be appropriate for you to get to know me a little bit better. Uh, You can also see how I've structured these interviews, how we'll be talking to the other men that I'll be getting on here. But uh, first, a little bit about me. Get to know me just a little bit so you can feel comfortable. I think this way you also might uh, get an understanding of of whether this is the right type of a podcast for you or not. Uh, I hope it is. I hope you're like me, like us, like a lot of men out here who are um, looking for, either looking for some direction or, or, or have some direction to give and uh, to share, as I say in, in, the, in the intro, I'm, I'm trying to build a mentorship program here as much as I can. So we're going to start off with me so you can get to know me just a little bit. And uh, then we'll, we'll move out to a lot of other very interesting men um, that I know in my life and I think can bring you some, some really good juice, some really good stuff, things to learn from. So for me, I am 61 years old. Uh, born in Springfield, Ohio. My father's alive. Uh, my mother is deceased, uh, passed about five years ago. I have one younger brother, two nieces, two grandnephews, uh, honestly more cousins than I can count because we had a lot on my mom's side. Um, and then uh, most of those, because we're all a little bit older, I would say the youngest one of us is probably, uh, this, this is in, in the first cousins. Um, youngest is probably early fifties. Oldest is pushing 70 years old right now. And they all have kids and the kids have kids. So there are quite a lot of us. Um, I am divorced. I'm the father of two really incredible young men. Uh, one, a photographer in New York city, really trying to make his way in that craft. And, uh, my younger son is in Richmond, Virginia, just finishing his, uh, master's degree, uh, in accounting. Both really, really incredible young men. Um, I, for work, I am currently an experienced architect with GE Aviation. Um, that's a UX designer. You may have heard of that. I'm a, I, I'm a visual person, but I'm also a researcher, so I do a lot of research. Uh, in that job, I travel around the world uh, interviewing people. Um, I put together groups of people uh, from my side. We then go to a customer site where we have a core team with them and we work through the problems that they're having in, I I guess you could kind of call it business process reengineering as well, because we'll go through the problems that they're having and we'll determine if we can create some sort of a digital solution for them. And then I'll also design that solution. Started working when I was about 14. First job was as a dishwasher in a Holiday Inn restaurant, and then went from there to things like, you know, slamming hamburgers, and I've, I've worked on farms. Uh, my grandfather and one of my uncles had farms, so I've done that. I also worked for a farmer uh, close to uh, Cincinnati here, where I live currently. 
I've had, uh, I, I think, like about eight jobs in my adult life. I've been in the fashion industry. I've done car sales a couple of times. Um, I've worked in bookstores. I have delivered papers. I've been up and down. Um, I've made some good money. I have lost everything several different times. I've worked in construction. I've worked in HVAC, uh, tech industry. I've been in now for quite some time uh, consulting. Uh, my very first, like, real, I guess you say professional job was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in civil service. I was a clerk typist, so started out at the very, very bottom. I am a painter. I'm a, I'm a contemporary artist, a painter. Um, I did have a studio here in uh, Cincinnati, but because of the COVID stuff and some of the other things, I, I gave up the studio. I'm a digital artist as well, so that means that I write code that creates um, abstract art as well. Um, I create cocktail bitters. I have a company called Tao Bitters, where I create craft cocktail bitters. I've been a soccer coach. Um, my younger son and I created a soccer program that was based around him wanting to get onto a D1 team and uh, based what he and I were able to do together. He was able to make it on to what was the top D1 team in Virginia at the time and ended up getting three college scholarships, which is exactly what he wanted. So we created a training program out of that. Um, I'm a published author. I have a book about a bunch of creative dudes in New York City where I lived for quite some time in the fashion industry. And... Um, Pretty cool book. Uh, places I've lived. I've lived in seven states. I've lived in 17 different cities. And I have had 36 different addresses in my life. Just to kind of show you how I've gotten around. Uh, travel. Uh, and this is visited for either work or play states. I have been in uh, 24 different states multiple different cities throughout, and I've been in 15 different countries, pretty much all of them for work, except for one, which was leisure. That was my honeymoon back when I got married once upon a time. So these are the questions that I'll be uh, asking every man that I'll be interviewing. So I'll now answer these questions for you as well. So one of the things is uh, occupation, but deeper. Who are you to your family and to the world? I had, you know, because of problems with the, with the marriage, and, and I, they were all money problems. Uh, my wife was not born here in the United States. Uh, she's from Northeast Africa. She's from Eritrea. And there's a certain way that they think about relationships. The man makes the money. The woman stays home and raises the kids. Now, I, she was more contemporary than that, and, and we agreed that, that we would share responsibilities, but at the end of the day, she expected me to provide for the family, and I couldn't always do that. Uh, it seemed like I was always joining companies that were d doing mergers and then telling everybody that it was fine, but then it wasn't fine, and then I was out on the street again. So I've struggled in that respect. I've been up and down. And there have been times where I've had to sleep on couches in friends' apartments, sleep in basements, sleep on a couch in a studio where 
a former college mate and I were, were creating a company and lived in his house with him for a little while, but his wife finally got sick of that. And so I ended up sleeping on a couch in the studio and that's the way it went. But the thing is, is that I did everything I could to take care of my family. And in several different instances for me, that meant leaving my family behind. That meant moving somewhere else where I knew I could make money. And at that point in time, that was the difference between Alexandria, Virginia, where my wife and kids lived, and me going to New York a couple of different times to take a job to get money, which I had to do. I hated to do it, but I always stayed close to my boys. I would either fly down or take a train down, rent a car, get us a hotel room, and we would have guys weekends. And it was fantastic. Was it ideal? No, wasn't ideal. But it's what I did to stay close to my kids and to do the best job I could in my wife's eyes. Of course, ultimately, it wasn't enough for her. She needed more. But I did what I could. And um, at a certain point in time, left New York City, moved back down, helped my older son uh, get a college scholarship for um, uh, viola. He was a very talented musician. And that's when I really started the soccer training with my younger son and uh, went to every single high school soccer game that he had. For my older son, went to every single recital that he had. Uh, he was at Shenandoah Conservatory and went to every single recital. Um, I was here. I was around for that. There was no way I was going to miss that. And I think that I probably helped patch up some of what might have been some rough spots when we were kids and when I was so stressed about not being able to make money and having to live in tiny apartments and... and had a house at one point in time in uh, Freehold, New Jersey, and lost it. I've had a car repossessed, had to sell the house or else lose the house, and I've been bankrupt. So I've been there, and I've come back up uh, from that again and doing pretty good right now. So I think I'm a very good son to my father. I try to, to spend as much time with him as I can. I call him and talk to him. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I moved to Cincinnati is so that I could be closer to him. He lives just up outside of Dayton, Ohio, and that's where my brother and my uh, nieces are as well. So I think my occupation um, to the world, because the other part of that question was, uh, who are you to the world? Uh, there, I, I, It's a tough one in a lot of ways because of, of the so many things that I do and because of this brain that I've got that just won't stop and won't let go. <laughs> and, and I just, there's always something else I'm thinking of. But in my professional life, um, I've trained over a thousand people now in what I do, how to do research, how to break problems down. I use design thinking to do that. And... Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from people who have said to me, hey man, what you did really changed the way I look at my work, or what you did really changed the way uh, the lady that I had there who was super quiet at the very beginning and ended up leading everything, man, you've, you've really turned her around. She has become a phenomenal asset for us here at work, and it's great. Thank you. Really appreciate that. 
people read my book and give me really good feedback on the book. Like, like, wow, I understood so much from that. I love the way you challenge assumptions when you write like that. So I think to the world, I'm this guy who I like to think I'm somebody that, that people can rely on. And, and I believe I, I am that and have become that. I'm still making mistakes, man. I make mistakes all the time. I try to bounce back from them. I know I'm harder on myself than I probably should be, but I am. I make mistakes. I get down on myself. I always come back from them, but I think I treat myself worse than I probably should. And uh, advice to you, don't do that. Be kinder to yourself. Be gentler to yourself. You know, I read a lot. I study a lot. I take a lot of courses and... What I get out of a lot of these is, is, you know, you probably wouldn't treat other people that way. You probably wouldn't yell at somebody else like you probably tend to yell at yourself. So think about that and um, discover a new way to, to be kinder and gentler to yourself. So uh, sharing biggest mistakes, uh, one where you honestly didn't know how you'd recover. Uh You know, that's that is a tough one. And as you can tell, I didn't think about this before. <laughs> I didn't I didn't write down any of these answers so that I so that I knew exactly what it was that I would say. Um, I've made I've made some huge mistakes with my with my kids. Well, you know what? I think I did recover from this, but I, I, I don't think I'll ever truly forgive myself for this. My boys were, gosh, how old were they? I guess, I, I guess my youngest was maybe four or five at the time, and they're three years apart. So my oldest was like seven or eight. And it was St. Patrick's Day, and I remember that because my younger son had a green plastic bowler hat that he was going to wear to school for St. Patrick's Day. And somehow or another, he broke this hat. He tore this hat. And to me, it became dangerous to him. There was a sharp edge for it. And I saw this and I lost it. And I yelled at that little kid and I threw the hat away. And I was trying to get ready for work. We were, we were getting to be late and I was absolutely furious. And I was standing in my room and I was getting dressed and I saw my older son walk back past the door with the hat. He had gotten the hat out of the garbage, had taped it up, and gave it back to my younger son. You want to talk about humility? You want to talk about learning a lesson? I will never, ever forget that as long as I live. And I mention that to my boys every once in a while. I'll say that to them. And just, oh, man, just how humbled that made me. And I walked in there, and I hugged both of those boys, and I apologized, and I apologized, and I cried, and I cried. <laughs> and I think I cried for probably two or three months after, just realizing what an ass I was in that situation and learning from those two little boys, especially from my older son, who at like seven or eight years old solved this problem the best way that he knew how. 
and man, that was that was just an incredible lesson for me to learn. Um, do you continue to make mistakes of those kind? Um, yeah, I still do. Man, I, I try not to. I, I try to take a big, deep breath. Um, I try not to judge. And I think, I think because of what I do for a living professionally right now, I've learned not to judge. And I've learned to, to stop and think about things in a little bit different way. So, yes, I've probably made that type of a mistake a few times after that. But I believe that I've, that I've come around from that. Um, the lesson that I learned from that, I think I've already told you that as well. Just, uh, just, just to be humble and just to realize that I don't know all the answers all the time and just to, uh, sit back and stop and think about things. All right. So now it says, uh, we're going to switch to wins. Give us an example of a great win for you. Probably one of my, one of my biggest wins and, and, and one that I still look back on was, um, getting accepted at the Fashion Institute of Technology after I had worked in the real world for a couple of years and winning the Maurice Biederman Award, which is a scholarship type of award for the highest grade point average in the class. I was in the menswear design and marketing class, 1982 to 1984. And before I went, an older man, this gentleman was a very high-ranking civil servant at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I think he was like a GS-16 or GS-17. He was one of the guys who the generals listened to. And my mother worked for him. She was his executive assistant. And when he heard that I was going to go to New York City to study uh, fashion design, he asked me to come into his office. And he sat me down. So you're going to New York City. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am you're going to study fashion. I heard you got accepted at the Fashion Institute of Technology. That's fantastic, Jeff. Way to go. So what's your goal? Um, well, my goal is to graduate first in my class and win the Maurice Biederman Award. Man, that's a fantastic goal. Did you write that down? And I just looked at him like, excuse me? Did you write that down? Jeff, any goal that you want to achieve is worth writing down. And he pulled out a yellow pad of paper and slid that across his desk to me with a pen and said, here, go ahead and write that down. I'll wait. <laughs> and I couldn't believe this. Here I am, a little clerk typist in this very, very powerful man at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is taking the time to coach me, to mentor me right, to give me some of his wisdom. So what did I do? I wrote it down. And then what did I do? I went to New York City. I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. I won the Maurice Biederman Award, graduated first in my class, and got to accept that award on the stage of Radio City Music Hall with my mother and father in the audience. Yes, that indeed was a big win for me, and I've had guys remind me of that every once in a while when I've been down a couple of times. They'll look at me and they go, hey, remember what you did when you were 22 years old and went to New York City? Don't ever forget that dude. So I won't. So that's a, that's a really good win for me. And it did change my perspective. All right, so let's see. Let's talk about some of the traits I believe true modern men embody. Man, for me, that's, that's leadership, um, 
we have to become leaders in this world. You know, us, us guys, as I said before, I'm 61 years old. I've been around. You heard also that I've had a lot of different jobs. I've lived in a lot of places. I've visited a lot of places. I've worked with people all over the world. And I've learned a lot. And to me, that means that I need to step up now and be a leader for younger people, for younger men, younger women. It doesn't matter. I even have older people who, who reach back to me, right, and ask me for advice on things. So leadership is huge. Honor. you got to have honor. To me, this all comes down to this, this modern notion of chivalry, which I don't believe ever died. You have to have honor. You have to have integrity. Integrity I've really learned from my father. To me, he's a man who embodies integrity more than any man I've ever known in my life. And I've known a lot of others who, who are men who embody that spirit of integrity. But my dad is, is definitely tops for me. Um, a modern man has to have confidence. You have to walk out there with a confidence that you can get things accomplished. Men are doers. We tend to be a lot more linear than women. Our emotional center isn't as high or as established as it is in women, and we look at things linearly. We tend to be, you know, the more logical of the species, right? Sometimes we can't understand why women get so emotional about things, but that's the way they are, and this is the way we are, and confidence is a part of that. I think a true modern man also has to have compassion. You have to realize that everybody is fighting their own battle out there. And yes, we are fighting. And it's why I call this podcast. It's why I call the site Sage Warrior Gentleman. You have to embody these three to me. You might disagree with me and that's okay. But to me, these are the three facets of a modern older man. You have to be a warrior, a warrior of the heart, a warrior in so many ways. Some of us have actually fought in battles. Some of us have been on the battlefield, have been to Kandahar, have been to places that I can't even imagine. And they've gone and they've done what they've needed to do to fulfill their own destinies. We all have our own destinies. But each of us has to walk that walk, right? And talk that talk. But mostly, you have to walk that walk. You have to do what you say you're going to do. So leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, compassion, I think these are all facets of a modern man. Uh, the next question here, and I know, I'm, I know I go back and forth on this just a little bit, but what does chivalry mean to me, right? Those things, embodying that, the sage, the warrior, the gentleman, and the sage is the person who will teach, who knows. It's the wise old owl, right, who has this knowledge and this information inside of us. Um, to me, in the work life, I've seen this so many different ways. I have interviewed so many older men who just understand stuff about their jobs. They've been there for 30 years, and now the company is scared because these people are getting ready to retire, and they don't have a workforce that can come behind them and learn things as quickly and fill in these gaps. I was just in um, uh, Canada not too long ago and saw this very thing where two guys wanted to retire but they were afraid to because they knew that nobody could come behind them and fill in their shoes and what a huge gap this would leave and this was um 
an aircraft engine repair facility for the Royal Canadian Air Force. And talking to these guys and hearing the stuff that they know. Um, I've even walked around with a guy in a textile factory before who had been doing it for 30, 35 years. And I said, just let me come and shadow you. Just let me walk around with you. And to walk around with a guy like this and learn from him is phenomenal. So that's part of what I want out of this. I want you to hear these stories. I would love to hear your story. I want you to relate to these men that I talk to, to what I'm saying to you right now, and to really think back and dig deep into your life, into your heart, into your mistakes and wins, and learn from that and start doing something with it. Especially if you're, I'm going to say over 50, I, I waffle back and forth with this, you know, is this... Is this content that's good for a man over 40, 45? Yeah, I think so. But especially in this day and age, it's us guys that are maybe like 55 plus. The market, for the most part, ignores us. I know that I've been looked over for certain positions because of my age. And it's, it's the way it goes. So I'm trying to build something on my own. I'm trying to help you build something on your own. So to me, that's all part of it. Sorry, I got twisted around there just a little bit, but uh, that's what it is. So style is a big part of all this to me too, right? I spent 15 years in the clothing industry in New York City. I graduated first in my class in menswear design and marketing. Two weeks after graduation, I was in Italy designing a textile line uh, with, my, with my boss at the company that I was working for. So style means a lot to me. And um, I have a website called uh, Bachelor Survival Guides where I try to teach younger guys how to dress. Because I'm in the tech industry, I work with developers and engineers a lot. And these guys, they've got their own style, I guess. But what I see all too often is that these guys just don't understand. They're still t-shirts and jeans. And it's okay sometimes, but you need to up your style game, especially if you're trying to get a relationship. And I don't care whether that's a woman or a man, that doesn't matter. You've got to have some style because style, when you're meeting someone, it's the first thing they see. The very first thing they see is what you look like, how you carry yourself. goes back into the confidence thing, too. If I walk into a meeting room and I look sharp and I've got my shoulders back and I walk in with confidence, everybody knows that I'm a man to deal with. Everybody knows that I'm there to do business. But they look at me and first impressions count. Don't ever think that first impressions don't count because they do. So style means a hell of a lot to me. And I've known a lot of stylish guys. I've known a lot of guys who are super, super smart and their wives dress them. I've seen this. Most guys grow up, you grow up with your mom dressing you, right? I know I sure did. I used to get sent home from parochial school because I was wearing fashion that was too fashion forward for the time and they didn't like what I was wearing. And my mother did her best to dress my brother and I as good as she could with the salary that she made. So I guess style kind of started for me back then. I went to a fashion design school, so style is huge for me. Uh, let's see. So where are we now? Uh, let's talk about health. Uh, what does it mean to you and uh, how you live your life? I started smoking cigarettes when I was 16 years old in high school. 
stopped smoking cigarettes when I was 23 years old at FIT, have never smoked again since. Um, I drink a little bit, not a lot. I did drugs in my day in New York City and don't do drugs at all anymore. Did some hard stuff for a while too, way back when, tried the things, never shot up, never did heroin, never did stuff like that. Uh, but experimented and did that kind of stuff. I stopped eating red meat right before I went to New York City. I um, was renting a room from a good buddy of mine who was a vegetarian, was having terrible, terrible stomach problems. And he said, hey, stop eating red meat for 30 days and see what happens. I stopped eating red meat. Stomach problems went away. So I stopped eating red meat at that point in time. I eat red meat again now, pork, I still haven't had a steak, I, I won't do a hamburger, I've had brisket a couple of different times because, hey, when you go to barbecue, man, that brisket is some really, really good stuff. Um, I try to exercise as much as I can, I have a bike, I love to ride a bike, I'll get out and walk, most nights I'll do like four to five miles, um, put my earbuds in, listen to a book on audio, and just go out and walk. Um, I've taken yoga classes in my life. Uh, here in Cincinnati, there's a really cool spot called Cincinnati Fitness Boxing. And I did that when I lived here the first time. I have, I've just moved back again. I had to leave to start this job at GE Aviation, so I've just come back again. But now because of COVID-19, everything is closed. So I'm doing what I can to stay, to stay healthy on my own. Um, I think I do eat... Well, um, I do a greens drink every single morning. Um, there are some certain sorts of vitamins and supplements that I take. Um, drink coffee, but not a lot. I don't start out with it. I've been doing um, the keto coffee or the fat coffee. I actually have one sitting here in front of me that I'm not drinking because I'm recording this. But uh, keto coffee is where you take the coffee, you put like two tablespoons of butter in it, um, I also use like a, a brain oil from Bulletproof and I put one packet of Truvia in it and that's supposed to kickstart your brain because our brains are made up of fat and a lot of the stuff we were told about fats just wasn't true. So I'm learning that. I, I, I study. I learn as much as I can. I read a lot. Okay, so let's see. Uh, next question. If you were to mentor a younger man in what area would you think you'd have the strongest influence? Um, I mentor, you know, either officially or unofficially, uh, a few different young men. Um, one guy I met here the very first time I moved to New York City. He's just a super cool young dude, and we got to know each other pretty well. He's like my son's age. Most of my friends here in Cincinnati are under 30 years old. Very few of them are older than that. And, and these, these are the dudes that, you know, after sitting down and sharing stories with them, where they look at me and go, man, how old are you? And I go, how old do you think I am? I don't know, I'm 45, 46? <laughs> yeah, right, I'm 60. And they can't believe it because I have kept this youthful appearance somehow or another. I think part of that is genes from my dad. I mean, at 88 years old, he does not look like he's 88 years old. I know guys in their 60s that look older than my dad. So I think I got fortunate there. But I, th I think it's just lessons of life. Um, definitely how to dress, you know, if they need to, if, if they're professionals, if they're, if they're out looking for jobs, I can take a young man and I can turn him around. I can show him how to dress professionally. 
I can, I can teach him how to talk. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of relationship counseling. Relationship counseling, Jeff? What do you mean? You're divorced. Well, yes, I am. But I learned a hell of a lot through that divorce, and I've learned a hell of a lot since then. I've had a couple of serious relationships since then, but I haven't gotten remarried. You know, to me in my, in my life, I was going to be married once, and I did it. Will I get married again? I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I definitely would like to have a good, serious relationship in my life, but I don't know. These are all, these are all what ifs, right? Um, so mentoring a younger man, uh, definitely anything that has to do with career. Because of what I do, it's easy for me to teach younger men how to talk to people, how to listen more than anything else is it, how to listen, how to listen with non-judgment how to not be so concerned about what you're going to say next that you completely missed what the other person said. And we tend to do that. It's the way we tend to think. It's one of the ways that we do it. All the shit that's in our head, everything that's going around in our head these days. So I think there are a lot of different ways that I could, that I could mentor young men to be, to be a designer, to be a clothing designer, to be a tech designer. Really doesn't matter. Again, because of... The many different things that I've done in my life, I think I've got a lot to offer young men like that. So it looks like I've gotten to the end of my questions. Um, last thing I wrote down here, and, and, and this essentially goes in an email that I'll be sending all the men that I'll be interviewing. And my final thought here to them is my goal is for these to be honest and open conversations. Um, if you like this and can think of anyone else I might want to interview, please let me know. So that goes for you. And right here in this, if you can think of anyone that, that maybe I should be interviewing, it, it might be you, right? I've got a long list of guys that I'm going to be interviewing already because I have met a lot of uh, really phenomenal men in my life. So this will keep moving on. So I guess that wraps it up for this one. Um, yeah. I guess that's it. So thanks, Jeff, for interviewing me. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for answering all of my questions as, as candidly as is possible. So we'll close out now. Thank you. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.